Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 John. 1 John is near the end. Goes 1st, 2nd Peter, 1, 2, 3, John, Jude, and Revelation. 1st John 4, looking at verses 7 and 8. This is the advent of love. There are four Advent Sundays. They are the advent of hope and peace and joy and love. And when we speak of love, it is the central theme, it is the central message of the Bible, is that God loves you, is that God is a God of love. And the most famous, if you will, verse that is in the Bible tells us that. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When we look at the Bible and we look at the message of the Bible, God is a God of love. God is a God of loving His creation. This is not a random philosophical point. The love that God has for us is agape love. Agape love means Uh, selfless, not not self-centered. It is sacrificial. It is God giving of himself because of his love for his creation. And we say that love came on that first Christmas morning because the sign or the evidence of God's love is in Jesus Christ. Now, John in 1 John was writing to Christians in the city of Jerusalem. There was some level of persecution. They were planting churches. And he wrote this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. He, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so when we look at how we are supposed to live according to Scripture, we look at the the focus of God is His love for us. And we are also told that because God loves us, we are to love one another because love comes from God. It is kind of a sign, it is evidence of what we believe if we love one another. Now, when the Bible says one another, it is specifically talking about fellow believers. We are to love everyone that we come across, but there is to be a special love and a special love that is understood for those that are believers in a church. And so when some people say, well, I don't need to go to church. I believe in God, but if they don't go to church, then these one another commands, the love one another, will not come to pass because you're not going to find a group of so willing believers to come together and to love one another. We have no problem during this 
hour or so on Sunday morning of being nice and kind and loving one another, and this is evidence that we belong to God, it then says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So if I claim to be a believer in God, if I claim to be a follower of God, and I am a hateful human being, I hate everybody, I'm mean to everybody, I'm grumpy all the time, then there's a disconnect between my behavior and my statements, and that needs to be worked out. And it's easier to work out if you are in a group of love one another people in a church. We can support one another and teach one another and understand one another. And so what does it mean for God being love? The Bible is clear that God is love. There is no other adjective or descriptor of God where it says God is. Now the Bible does say that God is just and God is righteous, but the idea of God and love being equal is how this statement is put together. You want to define love, you look at God. You want to define God, you look at love, and that is because God is love. And how does this work out in history? Well, God loving creation created. From the very early pages of Genesis, he created everything that is seen, and then he created Adam and Eve. And he gave them one rule, and I've heard people say, Christianity has so many rules. Well, Adam and Eve only had one, and they couldn't keep one, and so they ate of the tree. And they were kicked out, even though that they were rebellious and they were telling God at that point in time that they wanted to be king of their own lives, that God was meaningless. But he saved their lives and he kicked them out. And the next thing you see is that they're wearing animal skins as clothes. Now, the Bible isn't clear as to how that happened or how it put together, but it says God made that for them. So God shed blood. It is believed and understood, and I can prove it from the rest of Scripture. God shed blood to pay for that sin. They committed a sin. Death is the result of that disobedience. And, they, and God killed animals to make clothing to pay for that sin. And then if you read through Genesis, Exodus, a lot of Leviticus, some numbers, a lot of Deuteronomy, is all about how they needed to live day by day to pay for their sin because rebellious humans telling God he doesn't know what he's doing or he doesn't know how to do it right are sinful and constantly doing things for their own self-interest and not for God's self-interest. They are doing things to make themselves feel good and day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, sin builds up and if there's no forgiveness for it and a person dies, we say that they die in their sins and there is no more difficult or problematic statement than a person dying in their sins 
Because if they die in their sins, they will spend eternity paying for those sins. And so God made a system. He made priests and he made a temple and he tabernacle first and he took Aaron and Aaron's sons and Aaron's grandsons and created a system of priests and sacrifices where people could daily, weekly, monthly, and annually bring animals and have them sacrificed to God so that sin could be paid for. That is the story of the Old Testament of people going against God and fighting God and worshiping idols. And God in his love makes a system where they can be saved. And ultimately, you turn to the New Testament, and in Matthew 1, you start looking at God's ultimate solution, and that is to send Christ to die for your sins for all eternity, all who believe. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to um, do rituals. We don't have to live a perfect life. We don't have to follow a list of things. We just have to accept the historical Jesus and believe that he died for you. And if you believe that he died for you, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when he comes again, you will have eternal life. Christ on the cross gave us atonement for our sins, a blood covering he gave us forgiveness for our sins. He became our propitiation, which is a big biblical word, which means he took God's wrath, God's wrath that is directed toward us. God directed it toward Jesus. We are adopted into the family of God. We are redeemed, bought out of sin, and we have eternal life with him. And so when we talk about God's love, there are a couple major misunderstandings that I've run across, that I, that I hear on podcasts and I see on YouTube of people talking about God. And they say, well, if God is love, then he's not going to send anybody to hell because God loves us so much that you can do whatever you want you can believe whatever you want. You don't even have to believe in God. And when it's all said and done, his love for you is so strong, he's going to let you into heaven. This is a modern form of universalism. How you could, you believe God is so loving and dim-witted that he doesn't care what you do, that he gave a whole handful of rules and behaviors and says, if you're a believer, you really ought to live this way. And if you're a believer, you really ought to believe this way. But some people, a lot of people, take away the you ought to do this or ought to do that and just say the love part that God is love. And most of these people that are interviewed by various people who go out on the street have no idea what the Bible says, have no idea what God is. They're just, I don't know, it's eternal Russian roulette. They're just hoping with by hope that they're going to be okay, that they are going to live good enough for at the end of time God to accept them 
into heaven. And that is, if that is true, Christ didn't need to die on the cross. If we look at that sort of belief and compare it to what Christ did, Christ didn't have to pay for anything if God's love is so big and so strong. Rob Bell is a, used to be a good pastor, now he's a heretic. He wrote a book called Love Wins, and in Love Wins, uh, you, you read through it, you're in hell for a little bit, but eventually you all go to heaven. And everybody, God's love is so big, it will rescue people out of hell into heaven. And that is incorrect, and many people that he is teaching that to in his books will be very surprised when they meet God face to face. The second way that we misunderstand God's love or don't desire God's love in our lives this way is we have certain expectations or rules. We think about, well, God, if, if God loves me, I've heard this before, if God loves me, this will happen or that will happen or this won't happen or that won't happen, and they, they pray in a certain way, and when their prayers are answered in a different way than their desire to get a job or buy a house or, or cure a sickness or things of this nature, and these things don't happen, then they begin to judge God and say, well, God must not love me because this didn't happen. I was reading through uh, prayer and God's love over this week, and I came across this statement which says, God answers our prayers the way we would answer them if we had all the information. If we were omniscient and we knew every last consequence of God answering a prayer a certain way, then we could pray and all of our prayers would be answered exactly the way we want. But we are limited. We aren't even close to omniscient. Most of us don't even know anything hardly about God. And yet we pray and we expect God to say, okay, and, and, and be moved by our prayers. Now, I pray for big things. I pray for small things. I expect God to hear my prayers. That's something that uh, is, a, is a bonus in the Bible. If you read through the Old Testament, if you read through the Psalms, David prays that he will, that God will hear his prayers. That's a bonus because there is an understanding in the Old Testament that if God is against you, he is not going to hear your prayers. But God always answer our, answers our prayers by love, by caring completely, and with all the care and watch care that he has for us. God loves you enough to do the absolute best for you. And one way to look at it is God answers our prayers the way that it is best for us. And so the last part out of 1 John 4.19 is that we love him first. We love because he first loved us. We do not come to God, try to manipulate him with our love. He loved us first. He is the first mover. He is the first actor. He is the first lover for us 
we respond to his love. And so we come to the last Advent candle. If you look down here, there's five Advent candles. You have one for hope and peace and joy and love. And then there's a white one in the middle. And the white one in the middle is known as the Christ candle because only through Jesus Christ does the hope and peace and joy and love make any sense and have an example. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can celebrate the true love of God. It is only through Jesus Christ that Christmas has any value or has any meaning. Christmas is just a random holiday if we don't have the person of Jesus Christ to praise and to worship and to say, this is why we are a Christian. This is why we believe in God. Today is the last Sunday before Christmas, and it is the Sunday that we dedicate to the person of Jesus Christ, knowing that it is only through his birth and his death and his resurrection that we can have eternal life. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I just praise your name. I praise your name for Jesus Christ. I praise your name for all that you have done. I praise your name for all that you are showing us this Christmas. Help us to understand that there is no Christmas without Christ. There is no Christmas. There is no love without the person of Jesus Christ. We come here today seeking your love and seeking your power in our lives. We ask all this through the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.